Welcome those of you that are joining us on Facebook Live. Uh, you can f join us in Proverbs chapter 2. Now I know we are, we've kind of given a review of the whole chapter already, and we're in topics, uh, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 and talk about seeking and finding. So follow along as I read, and then we'll pray. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listen closely to wisdom and direct your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth and knowledge and understanding and knowledge and understanding. That's, that's all we're going to cover today. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your wonderful love and care for us. Thank you for the great reminder this morning from your word of who your son is and what he's done for us. As we look at your word this evening, we ask that you'd open our hearts and our minds to uh, the truths that you have for us and that we might be able to put into practice these things and learn to live um, according to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, from a biblical perspective, what must we do to get bread? Think of the Lord's Prayer. Ask. Okay. Is that it? <laughs> Maybe ask a lot of times. There's a place in the Scripture that talks about a guy that kept on asking. And, um, uh, but there's another place in Scripture in 2 Thessalonians uh, 3.10. Uh, it says, um, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So we understand that we are to ask with expectation, but at the same time, we're supposed to work uh, so that we can earn uh, our daily bread, that kind of a thing. Uh, what about wisdom? What do we need to get wisdom? James chapter 1. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. At that point, it magically appears out of the air in a billboard sign so you know exactly what you need to do, right? Well, in James 1, to 23, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. And uh, he sees the issue, walks away, and forgets about it. So obviously, when it comes to wisdom, there needs to be a willingness to submit to God's word as well as asking for it. Now, with that in mind, notice our uh, outline here, seeking and finding. There are three conditions to seeking and finding wisdom. Uh, so that you understand where this all comes from, point A, chiasm, uh, Proverbs 2.1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, um, notice number one, you connect the mirror phrases of line A and line B, it makes the Greek letter chi or an, a capital X. So line A would be if you receive, that uh, is a mirror image of where line B says you treasure up. And then if you receive my words, that's a mirror image in line B of my commands. So line B clarifies line A and forms one condition. 
Line B shows how line A is done. So if we're looking at uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, the first one gives you the general, the second one tells you how to do the general. Make sense? Okay, so that brings us to condition number one. Building a foundation in verses 1 and 2. Number one, receive. The word is lekach. Uh, accept, bring, buy, carry away, drawn, fetch, get, mingle, place, receiving, reserve, seize, send for, etc. Back in chapter 1 and verse 5, it says... A wise man will increase, uh, listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. The concept of increased learning is the same concept of receiving. So it's not just a matter of, yeah, I heard you say it again. It's a matter of hearing for the purpose of growing in your understanding of a situation. So if you receive my sayings, my words... Uh, letter A, God wants us to continue our role of student. <clears throat> Another word for the student is disciple. And the base word of disciple in the Greek basically means pupil. Now, obviously, we're not talking about the pupil of one's eye. We're talking about a student. God wants us to continue our role as student. A.W. Tozer, I quoted this a little bit this morning, Religious contentment is always the enemy of the spiritual life. You know, when you feel as though you basically got it, you have it down, you understand it, there's no need to go any further. And you normally settle for status quo, mediocrity, just don't rock the boat, don't do anything really bad, and everything will kind of be okay. And that would be where you'd find spiritual, uh, religious contentment. Now, when he says religious, he actually defines the word in the chapter. And he's basically talking not about what, how we describe religion. Religion is all those people out there that do it wrong. He's talking about people in gospel-preaching churches. They're saved, but they've become spiritually satisfied. There is no need to go on. When you think about from his time until now, uh, not a lot has changed. About 20% of the people do about 80% of the ministry uh, in the church. The terrible thing is, is some of that 20% probably need to be in here listening more than they are. But they have a heart to serve. Yeah, but if you're doing it all in your own strength, what's being accomplished? Uh, that's one of those lessons that you need to come on Wednesday nights. Pastor's been talking a little bit about that. Number two, receive my words. The word there is emmer. It's something that's said, an answer, a saying, a speech, or a word. In Proverbs 1-2, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Now, since we have a couple of kids listening here this evening, this basically is when mom and dad talk, it's a good time to listen. They, they do all kinds of things that you can learn from, but when they're specifically talking about a particular subject, that is a time to listen because you will get things 
that you're not going to get in your everyday conversations. So that's the idea here. Notice uh, this is the same word used in Job 23:12 in reference to the word of God. I have not I, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth, the words there of his mouth more than my necessary food. So Job is saying that emmer is that which God has spoken and uh, therefore we can uh, understand it the same way. Letter B Solomon prepares us for the idea of not only the thoughts, uh, but the words and the sayings of God are important. Um, one of the things that <coughs> excuse me, we hold to <coughs> is a verbal plenary inspiration of the Word of God. So we believe that God breathed His Word through the prophets that were moved by the Holy Spirit to say exactly what He wanted us to know. And not only is the ideas, but the very words that were used are very, very important. And uh, one of the difficulties that translators have is when they go into another culture, another language, they don't always have words that correlate and uh, so therefore, they, uh, they've come up with this idea of dynamic equivalence, which I imagine there's a place for it, but there might be a better place. For example, if you go to a place where there's no sheep, and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, you know, they sacrifice chickens to their idols all the time. So let's just replace lamb with chicken. Now, for the taste buds of most people, that might be a good idea, but the whole purpose of the lamb was he was a clean animal. He had to be without any blemish. Chickens, we raise chickens, and uh, someone told me recently that, yeah, all of our chickens have bumble feet. It's kind of like bumble feet. That's kind of like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the this, uh, abominable snowman. He had bumble something, you know. I don't know. All I know is they look like chickens to me, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. It's a common thing. And so you'd really be hard-pressed to sacrifice a chicken to God because it wouldn't be without blemish. And plus, if you don't have chickens, they're pretty dirty animals. Um, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay? So instead of dynam dynamic equivalence, teach him what a lamb or a sheep is and what the purpose of that was so that when they make reference to Jesus as being the Lamb of God, oh, now that makes sense. Uh, that kind of thing. Or another one would be, he washes us white as snow. Well, in, a lot, in Papua New Guinea, uh, they don't have snow. What, what, what is snow? Well, again, teach them because the very words of God are chosen on purpose and uh, are inspired. So that brings us to number three, my commands. So receive my words and treasure up my commands. Uh, this elevates with specificity the authority of line A. The things that the Father said, they are the commands that need to be um, treasured up. Letter B, though Solomon doesn't use thus, say, thus says the Lord, he still speaks with authority. So as Solomon is trying to prepare his son 
for uh, wisdom and understanding. He's speaking as though his words are the word of God and uh, his son ought to listen up. That brings us to number four, treasure up. The word for treasure up is tzafan, uh, to hide by covering over, to hoard or reserve, to deny favorably, to protect unfavorably, to lurk, uh, to esteem, uh, to hide a hidden one, etc. Uh, I found out the other day that apparently there are laws in the United States of America where you cannot treasure up or reserve more than nine months' worth of food in your house. Yeah, huh? Now, again, that may not be every state, but apparently uh, the state that this person lived in, that was an issue. And it's kind of like, wow, uh, why does the government feel as though they don't want you reserving, treasuring up things that when, uh, if society should go down the tubes, you're taking care of your family and probably your neighbors because most of them have not treasured up, if you will. But in this case, obviously, they're treasuring up the commands. They are receiving the words. Letter A. This word is used of hiding the baby Moses. In Exodus 2.2, it says, So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. I've always thought that that verse was interesting because what mother doesn't think that their child is beautiful? And then, of course, uh, we had a few. <laughs> now, I always thought my kids were cute, didn't have a problem with that. Uh, but when Daniel was born, Daniel had very, very big blue eyes. And he kind of had to grow into them. I mean, he doesn't look weird today. He's not like uh, Igor, on young, uh, Igor on Young Frankenstein or anything like that. Uh, but uh, he's grown into him. But of course, he just had a little girl, and she was very petite, five pounds, nine ounces. And she's got these big blue eyes, kind of like, she'll grow into him. She'll grow into him. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, when, when Daniel was born, uh, Lynn had a difficulty uh, with rest and stuff like that. And she's talking to her mom, and she goes, he looks like an alien. <laughs> now, the the reality is, is he didn't look like an alien. We went back and looked at pictures here recently. That was just because she was really tired. Uh, but the reality is, is all parents think their kids are good looking. Now, it's easy to look at some other family's kids and say, it's a baby, you know, <laughs> but when you're talking about your own, you don't think of it that way. But So this is used of the baby Moses. He was a beautiful, there was something that mom saw there that we just can't throw this kid into the river. He's got to be protected and, and hidden. So again, by faith, she uh, followed what God wanted her to do. The word hide does not mean to hide so that it can't be found. She put him where she could keep him and not lose him. For those first three months, he was hidden in their home, uh, whatever that consisted of. And then there came a point where she hid him in the uh, uh, bushes in the river where he could be found. So that's the idea there. So we're to hide or treasure up God's commands within you. Psalm 119.11 shows where one hides what is important, the heart. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 3.1 shows that Solomon intended one to memorize Scripture. 
Forget obviously means remember. Proverbs 3.1 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. So obviously, if you're not going to forget it, you've got to remember it. How do we remember things? Well, we put it in there. We recite it over and over and over again. Uh, you know, I, I take attendance on Sunday morning, and I'll see people, and I've talked to some of these people, and then after a while, it's kind of like, what's their name? So I've had to actually go to a couple of them here lately and say, hey, I know you've been here for a while. I'm absolutely horrible with names. What's your name? Because I want to put your name in the attendance sheet, not just count you as a visitor, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And uh, so uh, recently I did that. I, I One gentleman back here, a young lady up here, uh, asked them their names, put them in there, another couple over here, uh, because they're, they're set, they're coming. Another couple sits right here, Paul and Patty Pryor. Uh, okay, now that one, I kind of knew Paul, was introduced to Patty, but I had to come to him recently and say, what's your last name? Pryor. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Uh, but... It's do not forget, remember it. So for me, hearing it again, writing it down, counting them every week, that helps me remember it. So that's the idea. It is to be memorized. Number five, the how. Condition number one is build a foundation. Here's the how. Verse two, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. The word incline your ear is kashab. It means to prick up the ears to hearken, attend, cause to hear, give heed, etc. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, He has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. The word heed there is the same uh, word as uh, incline your ear, kashab. So it's to prick up the ear, to listen intently because, oh, he's saying something important right now. A good example of this is um, we, we were watching the grandkids this weekend, and um, Lynn is, um, she, she's a really loud person, right? No, no, she, she's relatively quiet. And she'd sit there and say, now, Leah, you need to stop. And Leah would just keep on going. Uh, today, in fact, I was, uh, she was doing something with hot food in the kitchen. And the kids want to run around the island in the kitchen. And uh, Lynn's going, Leah, Leah, stop, stop. And I said, stop! Can I tell you? Her ears pricked up. <laughs> now, that's not the best way to get their ears to prick, uh, to prick up. They, they need to learn to listen. But that's one that always seems to work at least. But kids are listening for that uh, tone too. Uh, when they're not made to do things the first time when you tell them, they know when the tone hits a certain point. Okay, now I need to listen. Well, God's saying, hey guys, you need to listen the first time. Okay? Incline your ears. Um, Letter uh, number one under letter uh, A, both Samuel and Solomon want us to listen to the Word of God. Number two, by me, uh, the means by which it comes may be boring. That is not the issue. Again, we have a couple of young people here, but we have some older people here too, been at churches and listen to various preachers. Uh, one of the uh, 
probably most intelligent preachers I ever heard was the absolute worst public speaker. He was monotonous, just had that one tone and just kept on going and going. Was that? Fruchtenbaum's like that? I, I haven't heard him. Uh, Charles Ryrie. Uh, he, he's a pretty intelligent guy. Uh, well, he's probably more intelligent now because he's with the Lord. But, uh, um, you know, I heard him in Bible college, and he was just monotone. And you had to prick the ears. You had to listen because the subject matter was important. It wasn't his methodology, his, his deliverance that kept you captivated. And that's the way we ought to be in church. We're listening to what's being said. Now, the fact that uh, I'm funny or that pastor has a way of presenting things that makes it a little bit easier to listen to, hey, great, but that's not what it's based on. It's based on you got to listen, okay? Uh, the next page, apply your heart. The word heart here is lab, the heart, the inner man, the mind, the will, the center of anything. Uh, for years, people have said that the heart is the the uh, seat of emotions. And, well, you do a little bit of studying, and it is definitely the center of the person, but it, it's not really wrapped up in emotions, though emotions may be included. They're actually the lesser part of it. Notice, number one, it deals with the intellect, the volition, that would be the will, and evaluation. Evaluation is the idea of comparing, contrasting, considering. So again, a mind thing. It refers specifically to the memory in Deuteronomy 4.39 and Proverbs 4.21. Deuteronomy 4.39. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Notice, you're going to consider it. You're going to uh, intellectually evaluate information. There's only one God. Okay? And where are you going to do that? In your heart. Proverbs 4.21, Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Again, this is dealing more with the concept of memory in that particular verse. Uh, notice no, number three, there is no word for the brain in the Old Testament. The closest in meaning is the heart. In the New Testament, though heart is used, most of the references are to the mind. The mind is the spiritual aspect of the physical organ, the brain. Okay? So that uh, number, uh, letter C here, applying the heart. Nata is the word for applying here. To spread out, to incline, to turn. The form of the verb uh, causes something to happen or exist. This is one area where I would say that uh, 21st century evangelical Christianity misses the boat. Um, Recently, when Pastor was out and I was speaking, I dealt with the whole concept of evaluation. How am I doing? Now, sometimes it's nice to have someone else do the evaluation because maybe they see things that you're blind to. Uh, But when you don't do any evaluation, what happens? You don't learn the lesson that God was trying to teach you through that trial, and then you go through the trial again. 
And if you don't evaluate, what happens? You don't learn the lesson that God has for you in that trial, so you get to go through the lesson again and again. And we've all been there, haven't we? Why? Because we didn't look to, what, what is God trying to teach me here? What do I need to be applying to my life so often? That's where the, where the problem comes in. Because if you apply, it causes something to happen or to come into existence. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, Thanksgiving. How was Thanksgiving? Everybody liked the food? Uh, did you have too much pie? Um, uh, the chart on my turkey for that turkey weight was supposed to cook in three hours and 45 minutes to four hours and 15 minutes. So we gave ourselves five hours. Got plenty of time. The meat's going to be done. It can sit for a little bit so that it rests, as they call it, and then we can cut it. Well, after five hours, the meat was still a little bit pink here and there. And, of course, nobody wants to get salmonella or anything like that. So I, I was frustrated because this is not the first time this has happened. And, well, my fleshly response uh, was, well, just like it would have been 20 years ago. And one of my kids made a remark about, well, he hasn't changed. No, no, she, she was not wrong. Here's where the problem comes in. Does flesh change? No. The new creature, as we learn how to walk in the Spirit, more and more we become like Christ as a new creature. Flesh, same as always. So her evaluation wasn't wrong. The problem is, is her evaluation was incomplete. She was looking at my response today compared to my response 20 years ago or whenever, and the reality is, is flesh is flesh. Now, I'm honest with you in that I didn't handle it the best way. I've gone back to some of the kids that were there that day and asked for forgiveness, uh, confessed my sin, if you will. I haven't gotten to some of them because they haven't been around. I'll get to it. Yeah, I could call them. I'd rather do these things face-to-face. Uh, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them is you get to see the other person's face. And are they understanding you? Are they actually forgiving you? Or it's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the phone, they can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, face-to-face uh, -face a little bit harder. But uh, when we apply our heart, we actually uh, see change happen. In Numbers 22-23, both turnings require decisions, albeit based on different information. Uh, you, most of you, I hope, know the story about Balaam and his donkey. Let me read the verse. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned, nata, aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn, nata, her back onto the road. See, they, they both turned, they both applied, if you will, based on the knowledge that they had. The donkey had a little bit more information than Balaam did. 
<laughs> and of course, that, uh, that story continues. But both turnings require decision based on information. Uh, they just happen to be different information for the two uh, persons involved. Well, I shouldn't say persons because donkey isn't a person per se. But for that moment, he was. In Psalm 119.36, the psalmist recognizes his own effort insufficient. So this is where we... We're making the effort to apply to our heart, but we recognize that that isn't enough even then. Psalm 119, 36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn me. Make me go in the path that I should go. That's the idea here. Okay? Because though I want to as a new person, what do we see in Romans chapter 7? things I want to do, those are the things I don't do. The things that I hate, those are the things that I do. So he recognizes his own effort is insufficient. So number four, uh, joining the Psalms and the Proverbs, we see the same concept. The ask of Matthew 6.11, give us this day our daily bread, uh, and James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And then work, Proverbs 2.2. Apply it to your heart. So that brings us to condition number two. Condition number one was build a foundation. Condition number two, pray. Verse three. Uh, First of all, you notice in this prayer there's fervency. Cry. Uh, Let me read the verse again. Furthermore, if you cry out to insight and lift your voice to understanding... So a couple of notes here. I didn't get two whole points here, but note number one, three-quarters of Psalms' exhortation is study. In verses 1, 2, and we'll see in verse 4, you're to receive, treasure up, incline your ear, turn your heart, seek, and search. So three-fourths of the four verses, you got to work. One-fourth is you got to pray. Shouldn't our efforts reflect this same structure? Now, that would mean we're actually studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, doing little word studies in the Word of God, comparing this verse with that verse, and then we're saying, Lord, lighten my eyes. Help me to see the things that I need to see. When, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he says, you know, someday you're going to stand before governors and kings. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Why? Because I expect between here and there, you're going to be studying. When that time comes, trust. Pray. And the Spirit of God will speak through you. But that's because so much of it went in. Okay? That's the idea there. Uh, number, note number two, prayer follows the building of the foundation, verses one and two. Prayer is not a well-intended thought. It is basic, uh, biblically based. So as you've, do, as you've done your study, you've inclined your ears, you've applied your heart, then you're actually praying God's words back to him. Okay? When we look at the disciples' prayer, uh, the Lord's prayer as most people call it, He was actually giving them a prayer model by which they can be praying. So it's not necessarily the 
the actual words that are important, but the model is there. Uh, our Father, one guy says, Our Father who art in heaven, right where you belong. Uh, I think that was uh, Herschel Walker uh, years ago when he was on an NFL team. Uh, he was praying in a Bible study, and that's, that's how he started the Lord's Prayer. Kind of like, that's actually pretty good. But it's holy is your name. You know, we're, we're acknowledging he's up there. We're down here, okay? Uh, give us this day our daily bread. We're looking for our daily provision. Uh, forgive us our trespasses. Boy, isn't it great when that happens? As we, like we, forgive those that trespass against us. Lord, could we make that non-conditional? Just forgive me mine. No, no. You forgive or else you're not going to be forgiven. Hmm. And then, of course, we have passages in the Scripture. Your brother offends you. What are you supposed to do? Tell pastor. Tell pastor so pastor can go pound him on the head. Maybe pastor can put together a message just for him. Talk to your friends. Get them on your side. Isolate that person from all of your... No, it says go to them. And if you, you're on your way to prayer and you recognize you've done something to offend your brother, what are you supposed to do? Excuse yourself, justify yourself. You know, if they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have responded in that way. No, you're supposed to put your offering down, go and deal with your issue with that, that brother, and then come back and worship the Lord. Wow. So simple. You've got the offendee coming. You've got the offender coming. They meet in the middle. Everything's over with. It's okay. Love covers a multitude of sin. We let it go. But I like the other pattern better because that's at least what most people do. <laughs> yes, I'm being sarcastic. I'm sorry. Uh, but again, Prayer follows the building of the foundation, so prayer is not just some well-intended thought. You're actually praying God's words back to Him. Note number three, personal study is important, but it's not sufficient in and of itself. Reading and thinking is good, but we need divine insight as well. Psalm 119, verses 12 and 18. Show love for God's word and prayers for greater insight. Psalm 119, 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Um, I'm 30 years old. I'm uh, getting into the ministry. I come to my first opportunity uh, for ministry. I'm pastor of youth and evangelism at a church over in St. Louis. And I'm looking at our senior pastor. He has been in ministry for 37 years. I say, Pastor, you really need to help me understand Romans 6 through 8. I see that this is an important passage. Help me understand it. And he goes, I'm not sure I understand it. At which point I'm going, I'm never going to learn this. <laughs> uh, I think I have a pretty good grasp on it, but to be honest with you, this is a prayer that I've prayed I don't know how many times. Lord, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your word. Okay? Uh, letter uh, D, condition number three, study. Verse four. Two prominent thoughts. Wisdom requires effort. And wisdom repays effort. 
Okay? So study brings wisdom. Now he says in verse 4, if, uh, verse 5, uh, no, 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. How many of you come into a pirate's map lately? A pirate's map where he's hidden his booty, his treasure. Yeah, pirate, young. Ah. Um, the, the reality is, is I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten one of those. So how am I going to find his hidden treasure? I'm going to have to go looking for it, aren't I? And, you know, you might follow some of the legends. You might uh, look up some of the historical documents, that kind of a thing. Um, most of it's probably already been found, but I'm sure there's still... They just found one here recently. The country, two countries are arguing about 20... Is it million or billion dollars worth of gold in a sunken ship uh, off the coast of South America. Spain is the one that sent it there a few hundred years ago, and this country found it. And so who's, who does it belong to? Uh, they're, they're going to court about that whole thing. But uh, how long did it take for them to find this ship? Well, it sunk about 300 years ago, okay? Uh, so it's not easy to find... Uh, silver or hidden treasure. Notice, mining for civil, silver is difficult work. If you knew there was a great treasure within your reach, would you, one, sit and listen to others about their minds, in other words, be entertained, or two, get the appropriate tools and start digging? In church, you can be entertained or you can be a Berean and study the Bible. You listen to the message, and then you go back and verify. Uh, I, a lot of times, we don't read all of the Scripture like I do on Sunday night. I do it because just putting a verse there isn't sufficient as far as I'm concerned, because uh, most people are not going to go look it up, so I read it to you. Uh, there, there is a purpose in that. But for a lot of people, coming and listening to an interesting message might have a couple of points that they go, hmm, boy, I wish John understood that one. Uh, you know, that kind of a thing. That's good enough for a lot of people. No, if you want wisdom, you've got to study. You've got to dig your own mind, if you will. Uh, letter E, the prize, verses 5 and 6. First of all, you'll see we have a, a chiasm again uh, in verse 5. The what? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord... The knowledge of God you will find. So then you will understand is equivalent to line B, you will find. And the fear of the Lord is equivalent to uh, line B, the knowledge of God. Okay? So number two, work and divine insight give understanding. Verses one through four is the work, and they come before verse five. So number three, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Let's remember, according to chapter 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What have we been searching for in the first five verses? Wisdom. What do we find when we search for wisdom? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we have found that which is necessary to gain wisdom, but the more we study the more we have an understanding of who God is and the more wisdom we're gaining as we go. So notice, 
Uh, letter A, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Letter B, but in searching for wisdom, one finds the fear of the Lord. Letter C, as we grow in the fear of the Lord, and I'm going to read you some of these verses here shortly, we see more of our need for the fear of the Lord. Letter D, all problems in Christian living are directly related to the fear of the Lord or the lack thereof. All problems are theological. Let me read a few of these verses for you. Uh, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. 16, 6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. 23.17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. To be honest with you, <coughs> excuse me, um, pa- pastor said one of the uh, biggest sins that uh, angels deal with is envy. Uh, Have you ever noticed that envy is what a lot of the media and the politicians are all about promoting? It's kind of like, you know, you don't have it as good as those other people. You you know, you you deserve better than this. Here's what we deserve. Death. And then after that, more death. Death. So if God blesses you with a medium-range income, you're blessed. And he blessed someone else with more. And the problem with that is, well, he didn't bless me. Yes, he did. He gave talents according to their abilities, one of the parables said. So if you've got one talent... You use that one talent to the glory of God. If you've got two, you invest and make two more. If you've got five, you invest and make five more. We're blessed people because we're not getting what we deserve. Okay? So that brings us back to the third uh, page, number four here. Um, and find the knowledge of God. Again, that's equated with the fear of the Lord. In Second Peter 1, 2-4, I don't know that this is necessarily my favorite verse, but this is a pretty important verse as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Interesting. And of Jesus our Lord. So if you need more grace and need more peace, the best thing you can get to do is get to know God better and Jesus Christ better. If you want to know God better, get to know Jesus better. Read the Gospel of John. Because what does John say that Jesus came for? That he might declare what God is like. So if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. Cool. Uh, When I uh, did a pretty in-depth study of the Gospel of John, that's when I stopped with the concept of God's kind of like my stepfather that didn't really care for me that much, and I didn't like him either, and we had lots of problems. But Jesus, okay, he's like a half-brother. Uh, he's at least nice to me. Um, got away from that concept and realized that, look, if Jesus is nice and loving and merciful and compassionate, yes, he, he 
confronts sin, then God is nice and loving and compassionate. And yes, he confronts sin. But why does he confront sin? So that we might grow and be better because uh, that's what he's called us to be. So you find the knowledge of God. Verses, uh, verse uh, 3 here. Uh, and his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, the word of God, that through these, the word of God, you may be partakers of the divine nature, being filled with the Spirit, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lusts, the flesh. Second uh, Peter 1, 8 and 9 uh, in verse 5, it says, diligently add to your faith, and it gives you a list of things. In verses 8 and 9, it says, here's the results. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have the Word of God so that we can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world. And because of that, we need to be about the business of studying, adding to our faith, virtue, that's moral excellence, knowledge, brotherly kindness, etc., etc. And if these things are in you and abounding, in other words, they're growing, you're getting more and more like that, you're not going to be, um, it, it says here that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ which means you're going to abound in the knowledge of God. But remember what uh, Tozer said? Let me go back here and read that for you again. Religious contentment is always the enemy of a spiritual life. But if you're not about the business of adding to your faith, da 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 here's what it says, verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Now, some people think this person isn't saved. I don't know how you can be saved and, or not saved and have your sins cleansed. Okay? And, okay, maybe. I can say that this person's not going to know they're saved, and you're probably not going to think they're saved. But the reality is, is if you're not about the business of studying and receiving the uh, fear of God and the knowledge of the Lord, what are you doing? You're going backwards spiritually. And you're not going to have any assurance of your salvation or anything like that. Uh, one of the reasons why I think it's a pretty important uh, passage. How about 1 John 1, 1 to 3? That which was from the beginning. Well, what has John already told us about the beginning? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. In other words, we're actually looking and analyzing, checking out, you know, I got this little cut on my ear, you know, that kind of a thing. You're seeing all the stuff. Um, we have looked upon, uh, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This is the idea that, hey man, we walked with him. We, we shook hands with him. We patted him on the back. He was a real person. Who? The Word of God. Okay? 
of the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So finding the knowledge of God, analyzing, touching, uh, studying, being able to say, this is it. Okay? Uh, Again, I I know I've told you that I follow a little bit of social media here and there. One of the things that amazes me is how many people, well, you've got the deconstructionist Christian, ex-Christian, ex-pastor, ex-missionary, and they give you all the reasons why they're not a Christian anymore. Kind of like, well, first of all, maybe you never were, okay? That, we'll start there. But uh, I'll see people on there that says, Jesus is not God and never claimed to be. Kind of like, you, you need to study your word just a little bit more because when you see some of the things he said, again, remember the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, okay? How can he die for sins other than his own, if he's not the Christ. The Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one from God. Look carefully at the Old Testament. He is God come in the flesh. Interesting. And yet they, they come to these conclusions. It's kind of like, no, they, they sought for wisdom and did not go to the right place. Okay? Notice letter A. There is no such thing as a relationship without knowledge. And how many times in the Bible does it say, and so-and-so knew his wife? Now, it's specifically talking about intimacy. But let's face it. When we're talking about intimacy, you just don't, well, I know in this day and age they do, but they still don't know anything about that other person, do they? where when you look at the concept of intimacy within marriage, you're talking about people that have spent time with each other, know each other. They're still learning about each other. I mean, Lynn and I have been married for 38 and a half years now, and uh, we're still learning some stuff. We're actually learning how to apply some of the lessons that we learned a long time ago, uh, and our communication is growing. And, uh, you know, I can look at her and say, okay, what did I do now? (laughs) Uh, But that doesn't happen very often anymore. It used to happen a lot more. But that's the idea. There's no relationship without knowledge, okay? There has to be Uh, this uh, knowledge of a person. Letter B, the Bible is full of propositional statements about God. His past, actually our past because he lives in eternity and therefore doesn't have a past per se, but in relation to time, we look at it as the past or the future. Uh, His acts, uh, his character, and how to be right in his eyes. Okay, the Bible's full of those propositional statements. Number one, if you don't know anything about a person, you don't know them. Number two, the moment you say something about them, you are saying a propositional statement. My wife is five foot two. That's a propositional statement. She's short. That's a propositional statement. Okay, uh, she she says that I have sausage fingers. I don't see it, but Okay, propositional statement, 
okay? Uh, that's, that's the idea here. People complain about theology when the real problem is, is they do not have good theology. What is God like? I have heard people give testimony uh, that God has told them that their kids were all going to grow up and be godly, and I know their kids. Yeah, God didn't tell her any such thing. There was bad theology there, okay? Uh, but people complain about theology when in reality, theology is just a study of God. What is he like? Who is he? What are the things that he does? What are the things that he says he's going to do? Uh, that kind of a thing. So let her see. When one finds the knowledge of God, they will make true or good theological statements about him. Here's one for you. There was a time when I used to think that God was relatively angry. Old Testament, right? I mean, man, kill everybody. <laughs> uh, and when you look at God in that fashion, who wants to be near him, right? And then you, uh, you learn about Jesus, kind of like, okay, I can handle being near him because, as I said earlier, merciful, compassionate, loving, um, not afraid to confront sin, but at the same time, not judgmental, that kind of thing. And then you learn that, oh, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, and Jesus told you what he's like. I'm not too worried about God being angry anymore. Now, the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. So why am I not worried about it? Because there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Being born again, I've entered into a relationship with him that took the anger away. So now I have good theological statements about him. Okay? Uh, number five, uh, the why, found in verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom. Number one, do you want to catch rainbow trout? This is just a, an a example here. Go find some cool, clear water. Why? Because that's where trout can be found. I remember uh, fishing in a cool stream somewhere in Colorado years ago. I was a teenager at the time. And my uncle said, you want to catch uh, these rainbow trout? Here, put some corn on your hook. Kind of like, okay. You know what he was putting on his hook? Cigarette filters. Kind of like, why do you do that? Well, I don't have a lot of corn, and they jump at this just as well as they jump at the corn. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to catch trout, you go where the trout are. That's the idea here, okay? Uh, number two, do you want wisdom? Search for it, and you will find the fear of the Lord. And that is where you will find wisdom. I think very often we want wisdom to get us out of the problems that we find ourselves in so that we might have a comfortable life. And God's saying, hey, suffering's a part of this life. Get to know me. Get me in the proper place in your relationship with me, and I'll show you how to get through the Red Sea with the uh, Egyptian army behind you. I'll show you how to get through the wilderness with all of the uh, dryness, the lack of water, the lack of food. 
I'll take care of you. But how are you going to get that? You've got to uh, search for wisdom, find the fear of the Lord. Letter B. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The emphasis is not on the method of gaining wisdom. That was found in verses 1 through 4. But on the source of wisdom. It's the Lord that gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Number two, Moses charged the people to keep the statutes that he had taught them because by doing them, an internal testimony to the wisdom of God would be developed. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 5 to 8. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these uh, statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Notice, do the things that God commanded you, and that is your wisdom. For the New Testament person, James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. We've already read 22, but I'll repeat it for you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, in other words, He's doing it. He's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So, we're studying Proverbs to learn about wisdom. Where are we going to get wisdom? The fear of the Lord. How do we get the fear of the Lord? We study. We receive. We incline our ear. We apply to our heart. We seek. We dig. And we pray. And when we do that, God will enlighten our eyes to him, himself. (coughs) Excuse me. And give us that which we uh, need to get through whatever situation. Any questions or thoughts? Well, let's close in prayer and we'll let you go. See you again Wednesday, Lord willing. Father, we thank you for this time, for the the exhortation, the encouragement to study your word. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you might bless our study time, uh, that you would give us grace to substitute the things that maybe we're already doing with more study time, that we might dig and uh, search because you don't put things right on the table necessarily all the time, You want us to get to know you. And so with that in mind, we ask that you'd open our hearts to do exactly that, both in our study, in our prayer time, and in our life that it would show forth so that you might be honored and glorified by it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.